Chapter Twenty One of Almond Blossom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Almond Blossom by Olive Wadsley. Chapter Twenty One. What is the use of April? What the use of her wild dreams? Unless you bear your part, the spring has let a thousand voices loose, and shall not one find way into your heart? Gerald Gould. If Doro had longed for change of outlook, scene, surroundings, mental atmosphere, she obtained it. She had told Cavini of Tony's refusal to countenance her action in taking up a career, and the obvious sequel Cavini had foreseen. He had all the small Italian's commercial sense and lack of discrimination with regard to hotels. Later on, when Doro became famous, ah, then, but for now when no one was famous and fees were still fond visions of a far future why not a pension he therefore repaired with his wife and doro to one of those high houses in a meagre street in the wrong quarter of paris and there doro began to train to say she was disillusioned would be to describe the state of her feelings poorly she was both crushed and infuriated by her surroundings and secretly disgusted she had even though she would have denied it to herself expected a certain glamour she found dust and inefficient service and cheap greasy food instead and ceaseless ceaseless work and endless chatter from signora cavini who was none too pleased with her husband and who went in deadly fear lest doro should prove a failure another thing no longer was doro the spoilt and admired pupil she was now cavini's instrument upon which he meant to play his way to fame my god use your brain he would storm what are looks a voice even teaching such as mine if you sing a burial song like the chorus of a vaudeville refrain open your mouth open your mouth you are not drinking soup he too had his moments of doubt and he took them out on doro no one wrote then by chance she met david shropshire in the rue de la paix in a moment his hat was off, his round, good-tempered face beaming down upon her. "'I say, what luck! Come and lunch!' They went to the Café Parisienne, and Doro had the first good lunch she had eaten since she had left London, also the cleanest. Cavini had been peculiarly domineering that day. It was cold. Life seemed incredibly dreary. She looked at David with eyes, which saw him most kindly." and she thought of rex who was david's type in so much that both were lean clean mortals with an air of pleasant distinction and very happy manners in the old days she had thought david stupid rex had never been that never could be to-day however david's conversation had the agreeableness of novelty after the cavini's outpourings of complaints or mediocre gossip he talked of the life doro had known so well she wondered a little shyly and yet with real curiosity if he would tell her again he loved her he did not instead outside when he had hailed a taxi for her he said gaily i suppose when the great night comes i'll be admitted at the stage door what doro made some laughing reply definitely quite surely she knew that in shropshire's eyes she was different now and that he would no longer allow himself to wish to marry her she did not know how she knew but she did as it happened she was quite right 
at christmas rex sent her a box of scarlet roses which filled the pension with perfume and asked if he might come to paris she wired back no she spent the dullest half-year of her life and was actually glad when cavini announced that they would leave for his mother's home in italy the following week his wife and mother were lifetime enemies and signora cavini showed a definite reluctance to acquiesce in this plan which swept the pension like a tornado there was however deep method in cavini's madness averado the impresario was at his villa convalescing and that villa happened to be above the modest dwelling of cavini's parents on the hillside at fiesole cavini was a being subject to sudden attacks of a spiritually gambling nature when he believed a certain thing would happen because he had thought of it suddenly or had thought of it slowly any reason did which served cavini's end in this instance he told himself averado would hear doro by chance be enchanted and offer to place her with that luck which attends few human foolishnesses almost this very thing happened only averado saw doro before hearing her when he discovered the green-eyed vision to whom he had blown surreptitious kisses was the owner of the voice which roused his keenest commercial instincts he could scarcely believe his own good fortune he forgot gain caution his health and bore down on the modest house of the cavinis like a fat whirlwind doro was in the studio alone and he kissed her at once and thanked god she was alive the cavinis entered on this scene and for the next ten minutes the place was a pandemonium in which cavini smiled averado beamed signora cavini and old cavini laughed and chatted together doro at a shouted command from cavini sang a scale suddenly averado embraced her again and this time she gently disengaged herself he was quite italian in his culinary appreciation as well as his knowledge of music and her own taste in food had remained so far severely anglo-french but the day was to be a gala and it was celebrated accordingly and all at once doro found herself flattered by every one feted acclaimed it might have been a first night she wished it had been thereafter she practised with averado and he sent into florence for the great ortez to sing with her in less than a week the tiny operatic world in and about florence had become doro's setting and she too began to call every one carissima she too became accustomed to quick meaningless embraces at last the life began to claim her and she forgot to be unhappy within herself averado discussed the future with cavini he had not made a big fortune by altruism nor by any other unworldly methods and his knowledge of humanity was as great as his knowledge of music spain madrid he said waving his manicured hand at cavini the homeland the bird returning to her nest what a draw to a sentimental nation the little freddy must advertise for us the english have a sense of bringing anything to the notice of a would-be buyer better than any other nation only wait you will see madrid did at any rate for that long-suffering town was placarded with posters in the national colours for weeks before doro's appearance she was billed as the new diva under the name of dolores and her connection with the english aristocracy was not allowed to be ignored of course she was going to sing carmen and when she asked why of course averado laughed fatly all things are vanity he answered reassuringly to be popular is better than to be eclectic only the conceited and very wealthy can afford to be that 
the former because it does not matter what such are the latter because it does not matter either in a different way but to please you must possess the desire for universal oneness though not quite in the sense our priests mean he introduced doro to the great racial doer who extended to doro first that gracious patronage an artist is able to give to a beginner in a different art and later a very real affection the divine racial at forty-five was no mean instructress of life all that had colour vividness fire any expression which counted she had drawn towards herself she was beautifully plain a belle laid of great dangerousness of most passionate emotions and subdued sensuality rumour granted her countless lovers she had but one and he had died of course the world did not believe in her faithfulness indeed few people can believe that an intensely vivid emotionality can exist without indulgence in a headlong passion yet paradoxically most often the one bars out the other for some emotionality springs nine-tenths of it from a keen mentality a mentality keyed up to perceive and accept the beautiful things in life whereas passion can be roused by almost any means many unbeautiful the highest form of emotion breeds keenest criticism passion never leaves time to judge well or badly rachel gave the stage life to doro who ceased to feel self-conscious at last and began to accept the new atmosphere with gaiety on their way through paris doro stayed at rachel's appartement it was bizarre lovely extravagant and neat all qualities possessed by rachel's personality there modern paris met and adored itself and one another there rex came to see doro rachel claimed him at once she liked his fair debonair good looks his mind he was the one person doro found who treated neither of them as if they were on the stage she remembered david shropshire had not done that tony it seemed never spoke of her g often ah because you do doro said with rather sad clearness of vision she studied rex as one does when suddenly an old friend is much admired by a new one he made no least effort to talk of love to her now she half wondered had he ever done so it all seemed so far off now and ineffectual somehow on the last evening of doro's stay she was to leave the next day for madrid he took her to dine at henry's they were to go on to fetch rachel at her theatre later shall we drive into the country rex suggested you won't be too cold already climactic conditions had become a matter of great importance he only drove out beyond amenonville in the direction of versailles beside the wood he stopped the chauffeur let's smoke a cigarette here he said to doro they strolled down a little winding path far away it seemed a great distance the trees joined so often the stars were shining rex lit a cigarette for doro then when she had smoked it for a moment took it from her gently instinctively doro knew do not spoil our happy time she said shakenly to her surprise he gave a little low laugh spoil it look at me doro it was a challenge she looked at him standing straight before her his face a pale blur in the dimness but his eyes ardent visibly shining he took her hands lightly so you do not love me yet doro met him in the same spirit not yet 
there is someone else no thank god then i still hope he said always in that odd gaily controlled voice which gave the strangest effect of coldness and fervour mingled we ought to go toro suggested not yet a little longer just a little he had not loosed her hands but now he freed one of his own and deliberately drew her face to his you will in time he whispered he seemed to be smiling doro made no answer she could not speak a shyness had seized her which angered her by its power kiss me rex's voice asked she shook her head but her chin was still cupped in his hand then suddenly he kissed her she could feel all the smooth hardness of his young face and all the violent shakenness of his young strength he released her gently and said panting between the words and yet in quite a tranquil voice to remember me by they drove home talking of ordinary things at the theatre entrance rex said very quietly you will remember End of chapter 21 Recording by Marisol Quee